You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 120 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and today we are going to share some thoughts and tips that will make or break your career as a writer. And uh, personally, I think that this stuff is something that is often overlooked, but I don't know what you think about that, Autumn. I think it's definitely not talked about, but I'm just like, wow, no pressure. This is going to make or break. (laughs) You just dove right into that topic. Jeez. (laughs) Heart stops like, oh my gosh, am I ready for this episode? I don't know. (laughs) But no, I agree. This Maybe I made it sound better than it is. (laughs) It's very, you ramp the tension right up straight to the insightful incident and boom. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i should do it the other way around like like maybe start out by saying this might be a completely useless episode and <laughs> there's going to be no tips for you at all and uh, then don't we can go this. from there because then it's, it's only going to get better <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's going to work either i think we'll just have to stick with what we started with and this is one of okay. the most important episode of your entire author career and then we have to live <laughs> up to it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god now you said that now i got conscious about it no that's not good that's my if you here. hadn't thought anything i would just have plowed on like nothing ever happened <laughs> someone's gotta call you out and i'm here for that so it's all right yeah well and you anyway. jumped on it pretty quickly as well, <laughs> well you kind of surprised me oh well so how are things over on your side of the planet well, it's good. Uh, schools yeah. are closed this week here oh. in uh, Denmark. Of course, we are oh, recording a bit ahead of time, so it's Easter holidays at the moment. So the kids are home, which means that uh, I get to sleep in and I can just get up like 9 or 10 in the morning and then write a chapter before lunch. And, uh, oh. you know, I could get used to this. <laughs> that sounds really like my life but that's wonderful except for the kids i don't do the kids so <laughs> no indeed yeah and, it's, it's really nice and uh, that is fantastic and, and also the fact that i can uh, sleep in also means that uh, my wife and i have had some time to watch this tv series late in the evening where we i would normally go to bed but uh, we've uh-huh. been watching some stuff and nice. i finished up or we finished up watching a show on hbo called uh, bear town are you familiar with that one no i haven't even heard that one so bear town is a, a swedish series okay um and it's about a youth hockey team uh, which is not doing particularly well. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, yeah. But then a former NHL player comes home from the US um, and uh, he, he's like at the end of his career and he checks, takes on the job of coaching this team. So at this point, you're probably thinking it sounds like, like some sort of sports series, right? Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because and uh, here it, it turns a bit dark, uh, oh. but that's usually the type of stories that I like, as you know. Yes. Uh, but so the star player of the team, he actually ends up 
uh, raping the coach's daughter oh, no. at a party that they're at. They're at. But then, because it becomes very, it's it's a very serious serious series. What I was about to say, but it becomes very, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but interesting in one way or another because it starts exploring because you are in a very small town society community, and it sort of explores how does a close-knit group of people who knows each other really well deal with a situation like this, where you have like the popular kid that everybody is hoping that he's going to be the next hockey star, hockey star that is going to you know, put this town on the map. Uh, and then you have this new girl in town that basically nobody knows. And she, um, of course, goes to the police with what happened and so on. And then this whole thing plays out about how the community as well is dealing with the situation. And I really feel like it's, um, it's very interesting. Um, and it's also very interesting as it dives into details about how how we human beings are incredibly good at justifying things to ourselves, even when we know that our standpoint is clearly wrong. They, because some, many of these characters, they, they really convince themselves that their point of view is the right one. Uh, where when you know when you're looking at it as as the viewer, and of course you are at a distance, but it makes sense from the person being inside that community reacting that way. But when you're looking at it as a viewer at a distance, you can sort of see how completely wrong it is. Right. And it, it's actually a very um, it's a very interesting story, to be honest. It sounds interesting, though, since I have spent. 90% of my life in small towns, I have a feeling I'd be like, oh, no, this is so true. <laughs> yeah, that's it could be. Scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, of course, it, it's a pretty serious topic, so it's oh, not yeah. like a lighthearted thing that you sit there and watch, but uh, and I, I would maybe have liked the ending to have a bit more oomph uh, in the end, but, but I do recommend uh, people checking out Bear Town on HBO, and of course, watch it in the original Swedish language and oh, use, yeah. turn the subtitles on instead of all the dubbing stuff. I was about to use a nasty word. <laughs> <laughs> well, the FCC does not broadcast, you know, watch over us as a podcast. Thank goodness. I don't know how we got around that one, but <laughs> I think we're allowed to swear. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, uh, we would have to market in our podcast hosting that uh, they're swearing in the. Uh, mild language yeah so uh, well i dodged the bullet just 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 well you can just add a beep (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah okay but that's something i could recommend if people need something to uh, a new series to look at and uh, or to watch i guess is is the right way of saying it um but yeah you need to stomach (laughs) a bit of the topic though yeah Uh, so co-prepared for a very serious topic yeah, knowing small towns, I can see how it would totally grow out of proportion and be not an easy resolution that you would imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, hopefully you have some more lighthearted stuff on your side of the Atlantic. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like spring here, all of our snow. I mean, Vermont, we had so much, well, not so much snow. We had a normal-ish winter for, you know, 2020 and climate change, but it like melted in five days. 
And now the weather is like in the 60s and it's sunny and the stream's running. So it's beautiful, but it's also, I feel that like, I don't usually get springitis or whatever you want to call it, where you're like, I just want to go outside. I want to go outside. <laughs> springitis, that's what we used to, it's school. Yeah. Or senioritis when you're a senior in school and you just cannot concentrate because you know you're about to graduate. So this is a spring fever and I just want to go outside <laughs> and go for a hike and I got some work done over the weekend just because it was raining. So I got a chance to work on some covers and I'm almost done editing um, my book three in my Tainted Face series. So that's like, yes, yeah, so much work going. We just were almost done editing a reader magnet that we've got going on. So I don't know. I might have to take a break and go for a, a little bit of a walk soon. That would be kind of nice. But otherwise... Life is pretty good. I cannot complain. It's hard to concentrate. It's my worst thing I can say. Though, speaking of shows, I sent you one that was, if someone wants a fantasy that has amazing graphics, amazing amazing CGI, and a really good story, I sent that one to you, the Yin Yang Masters, which is actually produced by China, which I was trying not to read into that. I'm like, is there any propaganda in here? So there's, and what's funny is, and that's what I didn't tell you, is there's these two movies, the Yin Yang Masters, and then there's a second one that has a subtitle. I, not that I can remember what it was. But you know what it reminded me of? It sounded like someone came up with, like, there's a main character, here's a little bit of a story and a world and a background. And so two different people wrote an idea for it. And they decided they liked them both and produced both. So they sh could almost relate, but they feel more like parallel stories of parallel ideas. And so it was very interesting to watch them back to back and be like, is that the same character? But that's a totally different story for him. I don't know how this works, but they, the one, the yin yang masters oh, okay. the one without the subtitle, I just, it was a fantastic storytelling. Very good. And so if someone wants something much more ah, fun have to and it. wants to see ferret demons, oh my gosh, I want a ferret demon. Um, you gotta watch that one. Yeah, I will I will definitely watch it. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've added to my I have an app on my phone where I keep track of everything I need to watch. Uh and then I added it in there. Uh, <laughs> good. So, uh, it's worth so that's watching. pretty good. So every time I hear about a cool show or a good movie, I just add it in there because then it's it's there and I won't forget about it. And then every time I've done watching something, I go into the app and then I just find Absolutely. something I want to see next. Nice. That's a very yeah. useful app. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> a week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Find a way voices uh, came out uh -huh. with their 2020 headphone report. Um, uh, it is where they share all the data that they collected on the audiobook market over the past year. Okay. So What's up with audiobooks then? Yeah, and you know how I love to put you on the spot, Autumn. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> this is not fair. Yes. <laughs> That's sure. why I love it. It's because it's not fair. <laughs> so... Oh. I was wondering if mm -hmm. you can guess which genres had the most growth in the audiobook market in 2020. But I have prepared some very, very short sound clips for you. So it's going to give you a hint because okay. this is a podcast. So sound clips are cool. So it is basically sound clips that is hopefully 
giving you some idea about a genre. That's the point okay. of the sound clip. So there's no words, it's just music. Oh, this is you're just mean. I'm going to argue, remember, I'm half deaf. So it's just not fair. <laughs> but let's go for it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you sound clip number one and then see if you can guess what genre this is. Okay. That's it. It's like a foghorn. <laughs> um, <laughs> what could that be? I'm, I'm guessing thriller, but I would almost have said that horror. Close. Uh, close. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery, actually. Mystery. Oh. Yeah. Mystery had a growth of 158% in 2020. <sighs> That's exciting. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Okay. And number two on the list. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> The second most growth in 2020. Right. And uh, let me know what this sound clip, uh, what what you think this is. Okay. Of course, it's so obvious. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess <laughs> because memoir. I, because I found the sound clip that it's completely obvious and everybody else is like, what is that? (laughs) I would say memoir. I mean, it sounds too sad to be like cozy romance. Yeah, there's a little, it's, it sounds nostalgic to me. And that's why I would say memoir. Uh, You're just trying to be difficult. Of course, it's romance. Is it romance? Yes. I don't know. You can hear it uplifting at the end vibe of the music clearly <laughs> portrays romance it's obvious um growth rate by 146 percent wow that is amazing that uh, doesn't actually surprise me i mean in covid who was not looking for a good romance to sweep you away from this place yeah maybe yeah <laughs> it could be it but okay number three and the uh, final genre that experienced the most growth in 2020 okay um well, not the final one, but the top three. Final in the top three. All right. So are you ready for this sound clip? Yeah, right. And it's going to so be horribly. so obvious. So <laughs> obvious. Be, i got to get one right. Are you ready? Yeah. I might know this one. <laughs> That's even a bird. I'm guessing Western. Don't say it's something to do with cowboys. Western, it has to be Western. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, then what is it? It's fantasy. That cannot be fantasy. Yeah, it, it is. sounds like a Western. You misled me. You totally misled me. But okay, so what's the <laughs> fantasy growth? Sixty-eight <laughs> percent. So oh. it's it's not as much as the other ones, but it's still quite significant. That's good. But, uh, that is. What do you think of those growth numbers? The growth numbers are fantastic. They're in many ways, in some ways, surprising because, you know, COVID, people were locked down. But also, if you're home, you might be listening to more. I know my husband was gone for the weekend and I actually ended up streaming uh, YouTube, um, a series called Art of the Heist. Actually, it was on Curiosity Stream, Art of the Heist. But then I, when he got back, I'm like, you have a subscription to Audible. I want access to your books. <laughs> so I can see when you're home and you're working <laughs> on the computer, your music's okay, but it's kind of fun to listen to a story. So I can see audiobooks growing. 
it, yeah, it is growing very much. Um, but I also think it also has to do with the uh, distribution of it. That it, I mean, if you looked at the top three emerging markets after the U.S., it was Canada followed by Australia, and I don't think those two were very surprising. But number three was Sweden. Really, and I wasn't really expecting that. So I, I think in part the big growth numbers is in part because the baseline is fairly low. So mm-hmm. it's easy to get into triple digit growth rates. Because <laughs> okay, that's true. So I think that there is that. And then it's getting more and more widespread. Uh, and therefore, as well, you're getting into many more new markets, which helps the growth rates. I personally don't think it is... I still think it's early days uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to audiobooks. Uh, I don't think the market penetration is that great, to be honest. Um, so it, it's still... yeah. Still early days, and I would still, even though we keep hearing about these massive growth rates, I would still say that unless your ebooks are selling really well, don't don't get don't rush into creating an audiobook just because you hear that there's great growth rates. Because honestly, you're probably not going to earn back the production cost unless you're selling quite well already. I agree. That's that would be an almost a whole topic of you know how audiobooks affect sales. But yeah, even my current series, I enjoy audiobooks, which I didn't couldn't say before. I used to not, but I have no plans right now to put, turn the Tainted Fay into audiobooks, even though a couple of readers have asked for it. It's a lot of work and really expensive, and expensive, it doesn't yeah. really ex- affect your regular sales on Amazon. It's not like this major boost. No, if the if the production cost was low, which I think they will be in three, four years maybe from now, mm. uh, then it would be a no-brainer to always, just like we always create a paperback print-on-demand right. version, then you would always create an audiobook just because it's another it's another way of selling your book, right? And uh, not a format, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. But when you have to pay like 5K or something for it, it's like... Ugh. No. No, when they get an uh, AI that has a very natural voice that you can just drop in your text and it creates a very nice sounding audiobook. I don't want to put voice actors out of work because they are amazing. But, you know, if you could just upload an audiobook file, like have it converted and it was a few hundred bucks, holy, I would probably do it. Yeah, or, or maybe I'm even thinking you you could look in the future, you could look at a market where it's just designated. Like it's it will say... Here is the, you know, a cheap audiobook, and it'll say this is AI narrated, and then there will be an expensive version of an audiobook where it says this is uh, voice acting narrated or something. Yeah. I, I could imagine that would happen, so that it's like if you don't care, some readers don't care, you know, no. that as long it's as they can, decent. yeah, 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 as long as it's decent, they're happy, and they, then they'll pay pay the discount or the budget version. But I could imagine that that will happen in in three, four, or five years, maybe from now that that you'll have two versions of audiobooks. But, oh, yeah. uh, but that's a whole other topic to get into. <laughs> but I, I, I could see that happening. Definitely, me too. It'll be interesting. And on to today's topic. Okay, so I'm thinking that it's probably useful to just start out by stating that when, well, I was about to say we, but... Actually, I mean me when I'm talking about mindset because I can only talk about myself. Um, <laughs> I have my own biases, meaning mm-hmm. that, uh, for instance, when I'm tackling this topic in this episode here, 
I'm coming at the mindset from a commercial point of view, meaning what is the mindset behind making a living from writing and earning money from it. And I also understand that in saying that not everyone is writing to make money and that is perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. However, I just want to share that that's where I'm coming from when I'm talking about mindset. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe you have a different perspective on, on it, Autumn, I, think, I don't know, but, but that's sort of yeah. where I'm thinking. I think when, you, when we come to author mindset, that is looking at it from a business perspective. So you're looking at the marketing and is sort of wrapped up into it. But I think I do have maybe a little bit of the artistic because I also think part of part of what makes you a good author platform, a good marketer, a, a successful author, hopefully, you know, making money is that you also care about the quality and your abilities as a writer. So to me, I have a little bit of that artistic side, but I think it kind of overlaps. You know, the spheres are definitely uh, where they join is to me the author mindset. It's not 100% marketing. It's not 100% craft, but there's a point where you merge those two. And that is my idea of an, a successful and a rewarding author mindset. Hmm. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> no, but I think it's good if uh, I mean we we might come at it from like 80% the same angle but then slightly different anyway, which which is probably good. That's probably good. We have to have a, something different. I'll play devil's advocate if I have to just so we're not always in agreement, you know that. <laughs> if you have to like <laughs> I- and you make it sound like you don't enjoy it at all. It's like, <laughs> okay, I will sacrifice myself to do it, but in reality, you love it. <laughs> I, sh- they don't need to know that I'm very... <laughs> I like to be willy-wally and just play the play the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe one place to start could be yes. to talk a bit about catching readers' attention. I guess I could put that label on it. Okay. Because honestly, I think... From a mindset perspective, you know, when you're thinking about how to get readers to read your work, uh, Mm -hmm. I think the attention span is the biggest hurdle, probably, or one of the biggest hurdles we have in today's publishing landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a mindset perspective, I'm looking at it in the point of view about understanding who is it actually that we are keeping competing against for readers attention Mm -hmm. that's true because is it other authors no not really amazon i do agree with a recent interview with mark coker where he said amazon is sort of pitting other authors against other authors because if you do a search on amazon for another uh, for even yourself the first four slots are paid advertisers before you actually get to the person you're looking for and that is really annoying but that is on amazon but in general if you're talking about whose attention are we as authors trying to pull readers into it's not from other authors that's they're not our competition it is the rest of the world the apps the media games audiobooks <laughs> there's so many other things that are competing <laughs> to try to get a reader yeah game games is a time. good one yeah yeah. 
I mean, to some extent, I, I yeah, like you said, I, I think to some extent you could make an argument to say that there is some competition about between other authors, but I'm also of the firm belief that uh, those people who really like to read, they will always go on to read more, and there's no way that we can write enough books for them on our own. So no. <laughs> if they like to read, they'll read more, and other authors as well. So in some some sense, you're not really... Those people, I don't think we're competing that much for their attention because they love reading and they will continue reading. But uh, all the big chunk of people that sits in the middle, you know, we have those that reads a lot and all the time. At the bottom, maybe of the of the bucket, we have those who basically never reads. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle, we have a the majority Average. of people yeah. who reads sometimes, but not all the time. Um, and for those people... I really think that our main competitor, and I, that's why I said games, I think that's a good point that you made there, but but the ones that I was thinking about was really streaming services like yeah, Netflix, like- HBO, Amazon, and that kind of thing. Because what are those people going to do? You know, they come mm-hmm. back from home, they've eaten their dinner, they're, they're sort of thinking, should I go and lie on the couch and watch the next uh, episode of my series on Netflix or should I open my book and start reading, right? I mean, that's really the choice that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not an easy competition to be in uh, <laughs> no. because it really means that you have to produce very, very high quality content, meaning that your your story, it has to be really, really good. Um and that's not, I hope not for everybody, a mind change. Uh, hopefully you already know that you have to produce really good content. <laughs> yes. Um, but there are also those that think that they can sort of get away with a half-decent cover and uh, they'll get their aunt who is uh, an English teacher to do the editing and then that should be fine, right? And then they put that book. Well, if you're trying to compete against Netflix, people are not going to read that book then. No. It, it's they will peter out very quickly. I mean, there's so much more to it. I mean, having a little bit of psychology and knowing like you need to have a hook at the end of every chapter that makes them want to turn the page and then a good opening to the next chapter so that they don't want to be like, oh, it's a different point of view or there's the answer to my question. You want to keep them going and going because it is it's a lot of marketing. It is a lot of trying to feed their curiosity so that they want this more than the ease of sitting back and watching a show because even science wise watching a movie it's only lighting up part of your brain so i mean it is really couch potatoing is truly low energy low low need of a paying attention you can still surf on your phone and you watch a show and talk to your spouse and you know you can do a multitask when you read if you're really reading it's like just the rest of the world could be on fire and you're like just one more chapter just one more so it's a lot more energy intensive. It fires up your brain. Like you're actually there doing it. If it is a well-written book, all your senses are firing. It's like you're dreaming it. It's you're, it's becoming part of you and movies do not actually do that to you. So it's a totally different process that you're trying to get readers hooked on, get that adrenaline rush going. Yeah. Yeah, that's true because essentially the, uh, well, when you're watching a slow uh, or a show uh, on Netflix, for example, mm-hmm. 
it is just being served to you, right? Yes. Whereas the reading is immersive. You're inserting yourself into the story, whereas watching a show on Netflix, um, it's just a couch potato <laughs> watching something, and you know. You don't, unless the character mentions a smell or sneezes or does something to clue you in that they're smelling something, it doesn't even dawn on you that, you know, they're sitting by the campfire and they're going to smell like ash. But when you're reading it, the a good writer is going to have layered that in or the smell of a dragon or the smell of something. And it's going to immerse you, like you said, in a far different way. And that's what the people who love reading that's what they love is because it really drags you in and you don't get that quality unless you're working on it unless you're doing it you know on purpose even after 20 some books i still have a check where i check all my chapters for things like the five senses and stuff because it's easy to get into the mood and you're just writing and you go all visual and very little auditory because i'm half deaf so you know you gotta add that stuff in yeah, that's true, and 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 that's really where the mindset thing comes in. Meaning that uh, you have to be conscious about the fact that you have to produce really, really high quality work because otherwise, if it's sort of halfway there, you can imagine like somebody sitting there with their Kindle or or whatever they're reading on, and uh, they're sort of well, maybe they read two chapters and they're like, uh, it's not really engaging me. This stuff. And then they're watching over at the TV, uh, hanging on the wall over there. And it's like, yeah, let let me go and watch some TV instead, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's the problem. So it's it's not easy for sure, but uh, no. but it is important to be aware of. Definitely, and I think that's I like that you started on that one because, like I said, to me, the quality, the artistic, the desire to keep wanting to improve yourself and your craft and your writing to me is very important. It's important artistically. It's important as your mindset that always having that curiosity, never saying I am good enough. I do not need to learn anything else about writing. I don't need to read any books because I don't need to learn anything. That's not going, that's not the right mindset to have to be a successful author. You should always be thinking, what can I do better? How, who's another author who's better than I am so that I'm going to read their work and see what I like. And I'm going to break it down. Every time you read a book, every time you watch a movie, you're like breaking down the plot and the characters and the person next to you is like, Oh my God, just please enjoy this. And you're like, no, I'm going to tell you that that was foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true because well, at least for me, uh, when I started writing myself, uh, the way I experienced stories was, I, if you uh, if you look at it one way, you could say broken forever. But if you look at it <laughs> on another way, it's just changed forever. Improved. Because, improved. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know improved because in some way it has broken because I cannot enjoy a story like it could before because I'm looking... I'm looking at the st- structure behind the words and, and I cannot help myself. Even sometimes I try consciously to ignore it and just read the story, <laughs> see where it goes, but I cannot help myself looking at, oh, there was a fore- foreshadowing hint there. There was something there. And I pick it up and I just can't let it go. Um, I'm reading one now. I just started. I'm probably like 20% into it. I'm not going to mention the title or anything, so don't worry. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to put any th- anybody down. But actually, no, but, but honestly, I really liked it. Uh, it. So far, it's a really good book. It's a really good story. But the one thing I did pick up already is the because it's a fantasy, so you have multiple characters, and 
I've done this myself in the past as well, so I'm not thinking on the author at all. Um, but the introduction of the point of view characters is quite aggressive in the early phases of the book, meaning that you're you're sort of you're jumping from one to the next to the next to the next, like the f- first four or five chapters in a row, and it is slightly confusing because you don't quite understand mm-hmm. how it connects yeah. together, and and also you are a bit like um, when you get back to the characters, like which character was this again? Because it was introduced too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done this myself, so I'm not dinging on anybody <laughs> at all. Uh, but I, I just think that there is something there. Uh, I know this is a slightly detour, but but there's something there about thinking about how are you easing new characters into the story and not going too fast. Uh, I think I'm 25% in according to my Kindle now, and it's it's starting to make sense. I can see how it connects now. But the first like 15%, maybe 20, 15, 20% of the book, it was pretty confusing. Um, even though what was happening was really cool, and I really liked it. It's cool, <laughs> cool action scenes, and everything was really nice. good. Um, world building is great. Um, but it's just those small things that might tick some people off, some readers me like, no, this is too confusing. I'm going to give yeah. up. That's very true. And you can't write for everyone. So there's going to, you're never going to satisfy everyone. But it's definitely something to think, to keep in mind as you learn your craft, you know, have someone who maybe will point that out to you or something for yourself to think about. And I think that's where I, the idea of always improving, you know, looking at how things are working, reading other books and seeing what worked and what didn't work so that you can look at your next story and you keep writing and keep going. Indeed. And the other thing that I also feel like is really important when it comes to mindset is long-term thinking. Oh, I like that one. Because, and this is of course where I'm looping back to the fact that I was said in the beginning that I'm looking at this from a commercial perspective, but mm-hmm. overnight riches almost never happens. So if <gasps> you're trying to plan for or even hoping that your debut novel will be like this major success, it probably won't. Uh, and I'm sorry, but that's the truth of the matter. Uh, it, we could take a couple of examples here. Yes. So Lee Child, for example, a highly, highly successful British thriller author. He's, I think last time I tried to look it up, he was estimated to have a net worth of around $50 million. Oh. So <laughs> I guess we can call that successful, can't we? <laughs> I guess. I mean, really. Yeah. But he didn't really find much success until he had published about 10 books. Okay. Um, George R. R. Martin is similar. Yeah, I was going to say, he has had a very long career to finally reach the pinnacle that he has. And he's no, you know, no kid anymore either. <laughs> no, indeed. So it's it's more like millions, are, it's not just going to start rolling in, you know. It, it's a matter of over the long term to build a catalog of books, which... Yes. Each will earn you a little bit more. Uh, And to make that career out of writing, you have to consistently be working on a new book. Mm -hmm. And this is not me saying that you have to release a new title every month. Not at all, because I I know some people do. And that's how they earn their living. And fine, if that's what you can do. But to me, it would stress me out if I felt like I had to release a new title every month and write 6,000 words a day or something. No, not going to happen. I'm not that kind of writer and I don't want to be either. But 
at least you know put your butt in the chair and at least do some writing so that you're at least working on your back uh, back catalog all the time or building that back catalog because at the end of the day that's where the money is going to come from and then down the line 15 20 books later or like with your tower martin 20 years later if if you finally get some awesome success then great but i i think planning for that or even expecting that it's not going to bring you any good no and especially in today's market i mean maybe you'll hit it out of the park with one book but you i've we've both seen i think chris fox there's a few other authors who have tried a couple of different series and they still even once they become popular they can have something that doesn't sell because it's not as much of an interest so you have to keep trying and generating new content and trying to find maybe the book that hopefully lifts all of them up but you could always have that one series that everyone's like oh oh that's the one we don't talk about you know oh yeah you remember when you wrote that you know it's (laughs) it's always going to be a challenge but it's definitely you want to keep writing and you want to remember that this is a marathon if you're doing this as a passion if you're expecting to write three books and you're going to be as famous as george R. R. martin or stephanie meyer or jk rowling's those that really is the less than the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. There are so many millions of authors, and there are many, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe just thousands that are making a full time living off of writing. There's many more who are having it as a very solid part part time job with a part other different part time job or you know balancing several things. And then there's others that this is literally just going to be a hobby that's not going to be a huge revenue stream so you need to remember there's all these different tiers and it is sort of on to you to have the mindset the strategies the goals the marketing the skills the quality all of those tools the help sometimes the luck to make this into something more yeah i agree with that and everybody fits into those categories uh, differently and 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 that's also absolutely fine i just think from from the mind set perspective i just think it's it's important not to sort of set yourself up for failure meaning that no. you get into it with the uh, idea that i'm going to be in the top one percent of, of all authors globally and i'm going to be as rich as uh, jk rowling or something <laughs> like i mean it's it's well great if it happens but it's probably not uh, and if you're setting yourself up for that you, you're almost only going to fail and, and you're going to disappoint yourself and one of the reasons, not all of them, but one of the reasons why people stop writing is because they get disappointed and they feel like, no, this is not what I expected it should be. I had hoped that I was going to earn a lot more money by now or or whatever. But if they had just kept writing maybe three, four books more from the where they are at now, mm-hmm. it would make a difference. Uh, so it's just a shame to to drop your writing because of something like that. And I think it's important to try to set yourself up by thinking long-term. Maybe earning 50K, 100K a year, maybe that's more than enough for what you want. I mean, who says you have to earn millions? Maybe even 10K if it's a side gig. The 10K can pay your summer vacation every year and maybe that's absolutely fine. I mean, nothing wrong with that. You should definitely have, you know, your idea of what, what is a what i think everyone should have a solid this is my goal to get to and know that it might take time to get there and like you said maybe it's only 10k a year but say if i hit 5k a year 10k a year if i could do this much money 
I would feel like I was totally successful. And no, it doesn't hurt to have that, like, you know, shooting for the stars. That's okay, because maybe then you'll hit the moon. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But to know, to at least know that thinking you're going to hit J.K. Rowling's level is probably really going to be amazing and lucky and hard. But that's okay if you just hit Jupiter. The Jupiter is nice. You know, you don't have to go outside the solar system. <laughs> but just have that real that reality check where it's great to maybe dream big, but remember that is dreaming. The reality is going to be something a lot closer to home and know what that is. You know what you really want to work towards and then working towards it. And for me, this is one part of my the mindset I think is really important. And I remember when I was first becoming an entrepreneur and I read that the sign of someone who will make a good entrepreneur is someone who can work for 12 hours, go to bed and feel like, I am out of ideas. I am disappointed. Nothing worked today. And they will wake up in the morning and they'll go, all right, what am I trying to do today? And you will start over with all the same passion, all the same curiosity, problem solving, look at things from a new perspective. You have to wake up in the morning and say, I am doing this again because this is what I want to do. And you got to look at it from a different angle. And if you feel like you need to someone keep bolstering you and telling you, you can, everyone needs cheerleaders. But if you need that, over 50% of the time, like 80% of the time, you're looking for someone telling you, you're going to be okay, you're going to do a good job. This is going to be really hard for you. You need to have a certain level of confidence in what you're doing, your marketing. And if you don't have it now, go take the lessons, go get the skills, bring yourself up to where you feel you are capable of succeeding. You just need to keep, you need to work, keep working and getting there because it is a lot of hard work. And if you don't believe in yourself. And if you're not trying to improve yourself, then it's going to be that much harder and you probably will give up. So you need to have that mindset of what am I going to do now? This was a tough day. I'm having a glass of wine and some chocolate and tomorrow we're going to hit the ground running. (laughs) And tomorrow I'm going to make waffles. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you remember the... uh... From Shrek. Donkey. Yep, from the donkey. Yeah, I love yeah. that the uh, donkey Tomorrow from Shrek. <laughs> yes, Shrek is secretly one of my favorite yeah. movies. It's it's just awesome. It's the first one I ever watched that turned all the fairy tales on their heads, and I'm like, this is it. This is I love this. So yes, tomorrow you have to make waffles. You're gonna get up and you're gonna do the waffles, and if you have to end the day in wine again, that's okay. But the next day you're doing waffles again. Well, not 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 every day. Hopefully, ending the day with wine. That's that's not going to be very healthy in the long term. Waffles in the morning and wine in the evening. I think it's going to be the end of you at some point. <laughs> ah, why not? If you if you're enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if if you need some encouragement and if you need some support and backup, uh, head on over to the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group uh, because there's a lot of good people helping each other in there and, and offering support. So, so that's at least a community that will help you. So yes. feel free to join there. If, if you just go to the group ses- section on Facebook and search for I'm writing fantasy and you'll find us, yes. but I have one more uh, autumn and okay. I th- think that this is probably the most important one of them all, oh, at least to me. I'll see. Yeah. I'll see if I agree with you. Yeah, of course. Devil's advocate over there. You can see how you love it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I think, and again, this is coming from the commercial perspective again, right? But there are those who have the mindset that if the writing is just good enough, then the readers will come to me 
and it will grow from there. Uh, they will start reading next book I write and the book after that and book after that because uh, the writing is so great. So the only thing I really need to focus on is my writing skills. Right. And don't get me wrong, writing skills is incredibly important. Of course, you have to be able to tell a really, really good story and have really good writing as well. But <laughs> it's <laughs> not it everything. No, no, it's uh, not everything. Today's day and age, you just you have to advertise your books. Um, but above all, you have to build an email list so that you can get in touch with your readers when you release a new book. Because honestly, readers are not as loyal to the author as you might think. In many cases, they don't even remember what the author's name was. They they might remember the title of the book, but they don't really remember who the author was. And they don't really, according to research, and I cannot remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something to do with that in average readers would have to have read three or four books of the same author before they started remembering what the author name was. Uh, right. Because otherwise they just don't remember. But mm -hmm. if you have them on your email list, you can send them an email and you can say, hey, the new book is ready. Here, you, Here's the links. You can pick it up right now. And then they might, not necessarily, but they might go on and do that because they there is a reason why they ended up on your list in the first place. And that was because they liked what they read. So they don't have to remember to check Amazon. I wonder if this author here released something new because nobody will do that, right? They won't go on to Amazon once a month to check if you uploaded a new book. But if you get them on your email list, you can just tell them. And that's a sale right there. So for me, the mindset around thinking that the writing is the only important thing, I think that probably worked 10 years ago, but not anymore. No, and even 10 years ago, I'm not sure if it was... I mean, it helped when ebooks were... If you were out when ebooks were new and you were a good writer, you were probably right now on the forefront. But for most yeah. people, it's not just about being a good writer. I mean, I, I, my true, true deep fans, you know, they tell me I'm better than Tolkien. I just love them so much. But it's not enough. If you don't have the mindset of how to market, of how to stay in touch with your readers, how to connect with them, and even know some of those like little marketing tips, like this is why I saved, I wrote an entire series and now I'm releasing them back to back. It's not just because of you know, the excitement of releasing them back to back, but it's also because readers will then, you know, not get lost in the series. They will be like, oh, the next one's out. Oh, the next one's out. And they come right along with it very quickly because most series don't sell until you get to the last book anyway. So you might as well save them all up to the end. But those are the things, again, that so you're always looking for it's more than writing. I love the writing craft. If I could just be a little hermit in the woods. Oh, hey, never mind. But <laughs> if you could just sit and write and not have to worry about marketing, uh, that is fantastic. But it's not the reality. You have to know how to market and you have to be able to talk to your readers and know where they are. They have to be able to find you. And the email list is definitely the easiest way of doing that. Yeah, the devil's advocate in the woods have spoken. <laughs> That's right. And I'm not quite a hermit because I have another hermit with me. So what are two hermits? I don't know what the term would be. Hermitesses. Hermitesses. <laughs> I know a hermit, a place where a hermit lives is called a hermitage. So I can go with that. Okay. Well, anyway, if uh, you liked what you heard today, and if you want to sort of dive much more deeper into 
all the different aspects of being a self-published author, what you should be aware of, what you should think about, everything to do with like creating covers that fix fits the markets, how the Amazon algorithm works, how to run book launches, and so much more. The good news is that Autumn and I created a 100% free course Ooh. that we call Self-Publishing Success Course. And I would encourage you to go and check that one out. We will place a link to the sign-up page in the show notes. Uh, and it's not going to cost you anything other than uh, you need to put in your email address to to so that we can email you the different modules and you get onto the course platform. But uh, I suggest that you check it out. And uh, there is so much good content in there that you can dive into. And of course, if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe at any time. No questions asked. Uh, so it's easy. Um, check it out for free. Uh, and uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an amazing course. So yes, it is It is definitely something that if you're starting out or even just stalled or just have questions, this is definitely the thing to take. I wish I had it when I first started in 2012. So I'm glad we have it now and can help out authors and help them on their journey and help their mindset because I think there's a whole module on mindset and you want that. <laughs> Okay, so next Monday, we will do a deep dive into a tool that we are finding incredibly valuable when editing, and that's the software called Pro Writing Aid. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.